Hi, listeners. Welcome to episode 10. Are we, we have a guest? 10. Considering we can't number yeah. anything correctly. Yeah, yeah, we don't worry about that. Let's pretend it never happened. Yeah, true. Uh, but hey, we got an awesome guest. This is the 10th episode. It's a big thing, and we have a big guest today. Oh, yeah. Yes, we have Michelle Bergstein Fontanez. Because I will say that right, because Michelle, I've known you for like what eleven or twelve years, and I don't think oh I've my ever. God, it's ever. been that long. I think we've known each other ten years, and we're, I'm doing the tenth episode, so that's pretty neat, right? That is pretty cool. That is pretty oh. awesome. Um, we are going to be talking about, about everything. Um, because Michelle is with Beat Creative Marketing, we are actually going to be talking about everything about marketing, uh, your events, what's going on in the world of marketing with events, because it's a big mess out there with Omicron, because it's still a big thing. In particular, we should be talking about um, once an event has been postponed and moved on, how do you keep the engagement? How do you keep people interested? Yeah. So we might as well uh, dive right in and I'll just be like, Michelle, tell us what's going on in the world of marketing and then we can kind of riff on it from there. Sure. So um, for all the listeners out there, I am based in sunny Florida in Orlando, Florida. So that is central Florida. And as you probably heard throughout the news, um, Florida is just the hotbed for COVID. There's like People are running wild, not wearing their masks. And um, for a while, the whole county was very optimistic. Um, you know, we were putting events together. Things were in full swing, um, moving forward. And then, boom, Omicron hits. And now we're in this next panic phase. And um, I work with so many different event professionals, a lot of vendors, and I work with um, a few public service organizations that are putting on public events for the community. And there's been just a lot of pivoting and um, just a lot of continued engagement, like Bob said. You know, we're trying to keep the audience engaged, keep them informed and, you know, just keep the conversation going. So that's been kind of like the game plan that we've been following. But, you know, here in Florida, I mean, it's it's very much different than, you know, where yep. Keith is in Chicago. And it's like I hate saying like girls gone wild, but like it's kind of like the Wild West down here. Um and like every day is different. And I've known people personally that have had now COVID twice um, because Omicron is very, very contagious. And um, on the public service end of things, you know, um, our county um, government, you know, whether it's our public schools, you know, any government entities, um, we have to perform contact tracing if any of our staff or team members get COVID. So it's quite the production. And, um, you know, it's just an ongoing story right now. So, um, well, and I, I, just, I think it's, it's tough for a lot of events. Let's say, you know, let's say you have an event. We, I have a client event that's coming up in a week and a half, right? I, I think so many events don't think about the, the mark because it is marketing, the communications portion of it, you know, they don't have a plan in place. And so when they decide that they're going to postpone pivot or whatever it is that they're going to do with their event, they're in a week and a half time frame, and they don't have a plan. 
right? They didn't think about it beforehand. They, you know, so especially when you're looking at places, you know, like Florida or up here, it's for us, it's Indiana, where there really aren't any rules. You know, if an organization decides to pivot, it's going to be at the last minute. And if they haven't thought about the communication that goes behind that, they're going to be in a big pickle. And, you know, for larger events with larger commitments, um, like, you know, booked acts that cost thousands upon thousands of dollars. I mean, we're seeing contracts revised where there is that out clause where they get to keep their money, whether or not they perform or not. So it's it's really scary. Um, but like Keith said, like from the marketing perspective, we have to keep you know, pounding the pavement, keep reminding them. And, you know, from a smaller scale event perspective, you know, it's easy to pivot to an online, um, you know, format, you know, because we do a lot of lunch and learns, um, you know, that are educational focused to the community. And with those, you know, if we have something in person, you know, we can pivot to the online format, but with other events, you know, creative events, like people are striving. They want to be out. They want to be engaging with people. I feel like we've lost that human connection now going on two years. Like people are really striving to be out there. And then, you know, it's just people aren't following the directions. They don't follow the rules. They don't want to wear the masks. They think they're invincible until they get it. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Well, we're running into now is as we're coming up on on the live date for for the next in-person event that we have for our client. Um, it's actually not the attendees. It's the speakers are starting to come down with COVID. Right. And so now, you know, they did not plan. You know, luckily we had a plan in place to go hybrid, but we're actually now going hybrid more for the speakers to bring them in than actually the attendees. The attendees are, you know, I'm sure some of them obviously have COVID or, or whatever and haven't notified us, but we're just getting all kinds of notifications from speakers going, you know what, I don't feel bad because I'm vaccinated, but I can't be there. So, right. you know, and so when it comes to to marketing though, and you're, and you're gonna pivot and make those those changes, you know, what channels are you finding that have been the most effective or should an organization take a shotgun approach um, and use all the channels? You know, is there any is there any thing that people should be looking to do or do they, you know, in a specific direction or should they just go in every direction they can? Well, first, you have to realize that inventory of where are all the channels that you posted your event? So first and foremost, you got to, I don't want to say retract the message, but actually put the message out there like, hey, we've postponed, our new date is such and such. And then we go through this whole phase of revising all of our collateral, you know, revising all of our event pages to the new dates. So, you know, when you are, you know, making that transition to update the dates, you, you really have to be mindful of where did I post our event? because you don't want to leave any event up there that you might have forgotten and then someone, you know, actually attend it at the wrong date. So, but then the other thing that, you know, besides social media, you definitely need to be putting that message out on your email marketing and probably more than once. Um, and then the last phase of kind of retracting the event date is actually looking at all of the people that already RSVP'd 
and either sending them a personal email or some, some type of personal outreach that tells them like, Hey, you know, due to these circumstances, we had to, you know, reschedule our event or postpone it. I mean, we're not, we're not really canceling events. We are postponing. So, cause I mean, we don't want to lose that revenue on all those registered attendees. You know, we can't give that up. We work so hard to market the event and get the attendee. And then it's like, you feel like you've just been punched in the face. Like I've done all that marketing. I've helped expose this event. I've gotten all these great attendees and then boom, like, yeah. I'm not crying. It's like that's an imp- that's an important point because the thing is the temptation to go quiet is probably quite strong. So this is this would be the wrong time to go dark and suddenly go okay, it's just postponed. Let's let's not talk about it. It's just wait. You have to keep that line of communication open all the time, which yeah, I think too I many mean, people kind of don't realize or just don't do. But I feel like we're also on a roller coaster, Keith, right? So we're having these peaks and valleys um, where like we have a surge of say a new strain and then we go back to kind of a normal, we're going to go about business again. And then we, do you feel that? Because I I feel that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the one thing I think that uh, events don't, one thing I think that events should do that they don't do is over communicate, right? This is, you know, they, you know, there, there's always the perception that, oh, you know, we can't post this more than twice to Facebook because it'll bug. You know what? That goes out the window, right? If you're having to postpone, you know, you're going to want to put that on Facebook, but also just because you have to postpone, you know, Omicron and COVID are not, you know, everybody understands, you know, we've been in this for two years now. Um, yes, they may be disappointed that you have to postpone, you have to whatever it is, but they get it. So, and I think that, you know, to Bob's point of going quiet, that's when you don't go quiet, you actually over communicate and start pushing out more information. You know, like it's I, like, I always find it's really helpful, you know, if you're an event and you have to postpone it and you're going to go out three or four months or whatever it happens to be, you know, give people a reason to get excited again. Yes. You, know, you can bring in another big speaker, you know, take that time, take that little bit of time that you extra time that you have and make your event even better than it was before, which will kind of alleviate a little bit of that disappointment that people had that you had to postpone in the first place. Agreed. Yes. And some of the things that we're doing from a social media standpoint with the um, kind of process of over communicating is putting different stories up that relate to the event, like trivia or fun facts about the artist, the performer, the speaker, or just even the topic. So we've seen a lot of great success with that. And we've also seen a lot of like success from a number standpoint, as far as visits to websites is, you know, doing the promoted ads on Facebook. I mean, you could be um, pretty conservative and only spend up to like $50 and, and get some good reach out of it. But, you know, I feel it's still a struggle getting people out to free events. Like we're doing a um, monthly music in the park showcase And 
this is coming up on our third month and the first month was it started out okay but then the weather went south so then we lost the whole crowd yeah and like you know the performers were amazing um and then the second the second installment of the event we tried something different we actually got our local high school band to be the um you know opening act just to drum up more local citizens to come and it kind of backfired and in retrospect we said we should have put them as a break performer because after they perform the opening all of the parents they all left so they just wanted to see their kid perform and then they just left so that whole idea like kind of crashed and burned and now um this but next one okay, right it, you know it's okay to try something right with any event yeah. right and it doesn't matter if it's a community event like this one that you're talking about or even a big event you know what you tried it you figured out how to change it but at least it was something new and it was fresh right it was it was different and you know so many and this is totally not on the i'm totally going down a rabbit hole over this way yeah but so many events don't try new things that that's a whole other episode where you could talk about why don't you know why aren't people trying new things so, yeah okay. so i mean it's like how do you get people just to come out of their house like I, I mean, it's getting challenging and more challenging every single day with everything we're up against. And like you said, Keith, you know, we're just trying different things, like you said, to see if it sticks. But like you said, don't be afraid. I mean, at least you tried, right? Right. There's nothing wrong with failure. Absolutely nothing. So, um, we're going to try it again this Friday and we have another um, local artist. We're going to put her on the break segment and she has a pretty good following. So we're, you know, we're optimistic. Um, and then we're going to try some other new tactics in order to get more um, engagement and attendance at the event. Um, so some of those new tactics are, um, promoting in our local Facebook groups, because we've seen a huge uptick with um, just comments, likes, um, replies, if we post in local groups, because first off, they have a big number of people that belong to the group. And, um, you know, they, they want to know what's going on around town. But of course, a lot of that comes with negativity too. So we, you know, as you saw, Keith, we have some washed up nineties. I don't, let me take that back. We have some. We are not washed up. <laughs> no, because they may be listening to this. No, they are, um, let's say classic nineties pop performers. Some of them I admire greatly. Um, Rob Bass being one of them. And tag um, team tag teams had some great, you know, recent success with their commercials. I, yeah. it was Geico, right? Geico. It was Geico. And, you yes. know, so, um, you know, we've come to some criticism. We've gotten a lot of negative kind of like Debbie downer posts. Um, and it's like, how do you address those people? Like, you know, we can't really address them. Like you said, Bob, you got to kind of keep it on radio silence, you know? Um, but you know, we, we just got to keep it moving. Like, well, and we do. So, 
let me ask you a question about Facebook groups and it, d- directly really because, you know, you post any right. You put, you're in a Facebook group and you post something about Rob base. Right. And there's always going to be the haters on him. Always. Um, you know, the same and the headliner here, because his picture is the biggest, um, is vanilla ice. Right. You put vanilla ice up there and you are going to get just some. Right. Because a lot of people don't like vanilla ice. Um, however, are you finding and. This is actually something I've been when you're, when you're marketing an event, are Facebook groups, even with the people with the negative Nelly comments, because we know that they're there, um, are those getting more traction than, let's say, an organization posting directly to their Facebook page um, or, you know, somebody's personal Facebook? Are groups actually more interactive and more engaged than the rest of Facebook in general? So to answer that question, it is tricky. We can post as the page. We actually, we can't post as the page to the group. We have to post it as ourselves and we would share it from the page. Um, so there is that kind of workaround. Um, but what we also found besides sharing it, because sometimes we see like um, a dip in the engagement if we just share it from the page so we i hate saying we like to like plant certain people into the group so we would reach out to other local you know folks in the community and like actually you know have them post questions or (coughs) just like a comment like oh my god i'm so excited because like it's gonna be it's just very obvious if i share the event on the facebook group like normally I am not posting it me myself because then they'll blatantly see, Oh, she's just, my name is actually on the, on the website, right. you know, t- for sponsorship or vendor opportunities. So like, we don't want to be blatantly obvious because it does hurt the engagement of the post. It looks too salesy. So right. that, that has been Keith, an ongoing challenge of how do you kind of fly below the radar and like be authentic because it is very challenging. Yeah. And I can see that, right. As an organization, you know, posting in a face, especially a community group, right. If, if it's a group that is specifically for whatever, you know, whatever, whatever, that's good. But like in the community ones, or if you're going in that direction, yes, you don't want to seem spammy or salesy or, but I think a lot of that can be alleviated in the post and the post, type you know for example you know if it's a little if your post content isn't salesy right then it's not going to come across as salesy um you know but you could also you know in the case of like a conference or anything like that you know it would be really great if your speak if you could recruit your speakers to post in groups you know hey i will be speaking at this event that's huge right i mean yeah because it is like kind of like I'm so proud of myself and it's being more kind of, um, I don't want modest, but a little, you know, braggy, but still, you know, you're just excited about the opportunity. Um, and like you said, to your point, Keith, you know, we are posting things that aren't so much come to the event, come to the event, but more like, you know, fun fact about, you know, vanilla ice. Did you know he was on dancing with the stars? Um, and even before we announced the headliners, we actually Ooh, were doing that. like, 
Yeah, we were actually doing little hints on like, can you guess who our headliners are, you know, because we wanted to build that, you know, excitement and that kind of mystery of who it's going to be. Because, you know, with this format of this event, like it originated as more of a country music, um, you know, festival for Friday and Saturday, because it is a two day free event. And then they started experimenting, doing a different music format on Friday. So like one year we had Pat Benatar on Friday night and she was amazing. Um, and then Saturday night, they kept it to the same format of country music. So, you know, like you said, experimenting, seeing, you know, what we could endure. Pat Benatar would be awesome. I actually was talking to a client a couple of weeks ago and, and Pat Benatar, they actually got her to do their corporate event and they oh, were, wow. she killed it. She's still, oh, she's amazing. Still rocking. Now, yeah, and she performed in the rain too. So it started raining and she just kept going. So to me, that is dedication. Like you're, you're, you're just in it for the people. You're in it for your audience. I've actually heard of her. Wow. <laughs> I mean, this little bass guy, I have no idea, but Pat Penetop, Vanilla Ice, yeah, of course, he was very popular here at okay. one point. You've got anyway. Vanilla Ice though. You, you remember Vanilla Ice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. CNC Factory, because that's another act they've got going. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just old and out of scene. No way, I'm old. But they are old school hip hop. I stopped looking around 1986. You know, everything <laughs> before that's fine. <laughs> okay, so, anyway. uh, okay, so this is going to make you weep, uh, but Rob Bass was definitely before 1986. Doesn't oh. help. Still don't know who the hell he is. I'll look him up. We'll put a link or a video or something in the show notes just to make sure all UK listeners and viewers and whatever. Yeah, it takes two to make a thing go right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, fortunately, this is audio only, so people can't see me dancing because I dance horribly. Uh, but, all right, so so we've kind of gone through that. But if you, in a perfect world, because we are talking about marketing, in a perfect world, if someone could only pick three channels to market where would you set what what would you tell them to concentrate on right now well uh, that's kind of tough because it depends on their audience so i'm going to throw that iron in the fire um but what we found most success like from just a community standpoint because of course if you are trying to target more of a business audience um LinkedIn is a very great vehicle. And, um, you know, with LinkedIn, you can experiment with a couple of different things. And one of the most popular things we've seen on LinkedIn is, you know, creating blogs, you know, and stories and, and, and then also backlinking it to your website. So we've, we've found a lot of, you know, traction with that. Um, but as far as like, if we're going to market to the everyday person, um, People are still on Facebook. Um, so I would say that's kind of our number one. The well, second, and I hate to interrupt, but that's one thing that, you know, a lot of people are like, well, Facebook's done. You know, you hear a lot of that, and that's totally not true. People may be posting less about their personal lives, and they may be posting fewer pictures, and they may not taking pictures of their ex Benedict at brunch, but they're still on Facebook. They're right? trolling. They're trolling <clears throat> without a doubt. 
exactly. well, the problem is the problem is facebook um business pages are now listed and in your feed less and less often so that becomes a really huge problem however what's on the rise is groups and if yeah. you can create a group and get people to contribute and invite their friends that's where the action is not necessarily a business page anymore well and the other thing that we see that works very successfully and um if if you have a smaller staff it is a little bit more challenging but you know having everybody on your team you know share the company page post to their own personal so that's one tactic the other tactic that we've seen is tagging people like tagging other businesses because then the other businesses can share it on theirs and then you know and then we can kind of get that you know, wildfire approach where every person is sharing, but I can't stress enough, like everybody in the organization has to be, you know, screaming from the rooftops and sharing, you know, anything from a business page. Cause you're absolutely right, Bob. Like um, that's why when you go to a business page, you will see there is a difference between the amount of fans and the followers like they could be two different numbers yes. and the reason being is because the followers opted in to get the the promotions to see the posts in their feed but the only way you can continually keep your page like in other people's feed is if you are actually commenting on people that comment on yours or even we've seen this work very well is you know, we see people liking the page and sometimes they might not, I mean, liking the post because maybe somebody else shared it in their friend group, but there is another tactic that, you know, you have to be mindful of, which is inviting them to the page. So you could click on, you know, all the comments, like all the likes, all the loves, and then it'll show you if you're logged in as a business page like which people already like your page and which people don't. And then you could start inviting them to the page. So I know well, that's like a, a frequently overlooked little feature. Yeah. And I think back to your point about, you know, tagging people and things like that. We actually, we have one client who in all of their speaker contracts, it's required that they do a minimum amount of posts. I love it. Yeah. I've it seen that. Work. Like, yeah. That's a, which that huge. The other thing is, you know, especially, you know, we, the event that we, the live event that we have coming up in a week um, actually has a, a smaller exhibit floor. It only has about, usually it's about 50 exhibitors this year, it's 30, um, but they will actually create posts that are targeted at each exhibitor. Right. And again, they don't, don't just do them one after the other. It's part of their, their overall mix, but they'll actually say, Hey, a big shout out to exhibitor you know, XYZ company, they'll tag them, which then, you know, hopefully that company, because they do let all their sponsors know that they will be doing this. Um, and again, not all of them do it, but you hope that some of those sponsors, speakers, things like that, as they're tagged, will be liking things and sharing it, you know, taking it out and then, and then doing things with it, and which does then spread the message. And, and what Keith is talking about when it comes to social media marketing for conferences is a whole different beast than social media marketing for like a festival or a one day event or a concert. Because, you know, in my experience, we have done marketing for conferences and it's, it's very intense. Like we've also built 
you know, social media guidebooks around a conference, because like you said, Keith, you know, we want to make sure all the, um, you know, stakeholders in the event, whether they're an exhibitor, a speaker, a sponsor, they're all getting their fair share and their fair exposure. And when it comes to that, you have to be much more strategic. You have to kind of like even you know, pre-plan a lot of your posts, you know, um, and, and really map it out. Like in the past, what we've done is we've created like a full, you know, Excel sheet that like kind of tears out like each sponsor and then the deliverable of how many posts they got. So it's a whole, it's a lot of management, I'll admit. So, well, I mean, social media marketing is definitely, it's, it's not a small animal anymore, right? You know, they're in four year degrees in this stuff. Um, you know, so it's, you know, I, I, I always caution any organization is like, well, we'll just get an intern to do it. It's like, really? Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to trust your second best marketing opportunity an intern, right? It, you know, because the number one is email, right? You can never discount email, but, and, and I think most organizations actually have a decent handle on email. It's the social stuff. Still now we're 10 of 15 years into social media marketing and they still don't get it. Oh, totally. And when it comes to email, I feel like it's kind of also an evolving process. And I could only attest to, you know, big retailers doing it right. Um, And I fell a victim to, of course, Bath and Body Works. I think they do an amazing job of their email marketing And, you know, I feel like a lot of event companies and events and conferences really should take a, you know, a play out of the playbook of some of the major big retailers when it comes to email marketing, because they do it well, you know? Yeah. Um, You know who gets me every week? Land's End. Oh, that, that's what gets you. But Bath and Body Works gets me. I'm like, I got to stop. It's, it's, it's a bad addiction. Candles and plugins. But I do, you know, and you're right. Those, those emails come in and, and literally I don't pass them by. Like, I'll, I'll be like, ooh, LLB and click. Right. And then next thing you know, I've spent $300. <laughs> so, all right. So we're, we're at the half hour mark. So well, we kind of, what? Oh, I was about to say, we've just discussed, or well, you guys have discussed, I've just listened. Some yeah, really interesting <laughs> Anyway, no, anyway, can we turn the we well, the bullet list? We are that's what it's called. So, can we turn the, the last five minutes? Can we have some bullet points for that? Because there are some really, really excellent yeah, things sure. that people can follow, and we are the bullet list after all. So, so bullet list. Um, if Omicron is a thorn in your side, don't be afraid to pivot and postpone, don't cancel, postpone. That would be bullet number one. Bullet number two is over communicate. And Keith kind of contributed to that. And um, I just kind of elaborated on what you could do to over communicate. You know, definitely keep your audience engaged. Even if you have nothing to talk about, like for one year while your event is postponed, keep the post going, keep the page updated, keep people engaged. Um, the third bullet would be, you know, create engaging content. So, you know, just 
pull out a lot of great features of your conference speaker, maybe your list of activities or events throughout the event, um, fun facts about your performers, you know, make it fun, make it engaging, make it, make it kind of an interesting, you know, educational, wow, I didn't realize that artist was on Dancing with the Stars. Right. Um, yeah, so that would be bullet number three, you know, keep the engaging content going. And um, bullet number four, um, what did we talk about last, Keith? Um, <laughs> so email Facebook. marketing, like try yeah. a lot of different, you know, tactics um, in addition to social media. You know, don't be afraid to do the email marketing approach. And also, you know, individual communication, like if your audience is small enough, you know, send them a personal email or even reach out and pick up the phone. Um, so, yeah, so we had an event and I know this is I know we're coming down to the end, but we actually had an event with only about 150 attendees um, and they did have to pivot and they actually it's going out to July now. Um, but they literally had three staff people that picked up the phone and called all one. They sent an email, of course, to let them all know, but then they literally picked up the phone and called 150 people just to say a personal, Hey, boom, boom. You know, and again, 90% of the time you're going to get voicemail because I have not actually answered my phone directly in years, but that's still a great voicemail to get, especially if it's not a recording, especially if it's someone going, you know, Hey Keith, this is so-and-so with this event, you know, COVID rears its ugly head. Here's what we're doing. Right? And, and that is a great bullet, um, Bob, which is, you know, humanize the communication, humanize, whether it's on social media, you know, um, email marketing, you know, even mailers, like try to make every communication as personal as you could possibly make it. Except when it gets creepy. Like text messages, like you get a text message, hey Keith, and you're like, oh, who's this? And you open. Oh it up. my god, I I love text marketing. I'm not gonna. I love text gonna lie. I'm a geek. I'm a geek on it. I love it. Personal personalizing text messages is kind of weird because you get a you get a hey Keith in there, and you actually click it, and you think that it's like a friend, and you open it up, and it's an ad. You're like. <laughs> well, and then, you know, I just went on another rabbit hole myself into researching other um, means of communication for marketing. And I stumbled into, you know, the local TV market because, you know, the TV market has really evolved and revolutionized the way that you can advertise and market like you could literally pinpoint people by your phone, by the actual ID of your phone. And the capabilities that the, I know the TV stations are real like conglomerates now. They're owned by bigger entities. Like as soon as Time Warner acquired a lot of different local TV stations, they really upped their research and marketing capabilities. And oh my God, Keith, I would love to have one of those people on one of your podcasts. Like I, I met someone recently and the amount of information they schooled me on that call was like mind blowing. It's, it's truly mind blowing. And now I'll skip over to billboards, right? So it's really funny, but you know, years and years and years ago, I worked for the national restaurant association on the restaurant show. And you know, they knew that X amount of people came from within 60 miles say, right. And that's going to be the majority of any, giant trade show like that. But now I can literally launch a billboard in Chicago 
next to the highway from my computer. I just log into, I think it's called blip or something like that. You log in, upload your, your graphic, creative, yep. up, upload your creative, tell them how long you want it to run, what times you want it to run and what your budget is. And boom, your billboard is out on the Kennedy Expressway. It's just, I mean, it's crazy. So, um, that's another talk for another time, but yeah. that, that, that marketing approach with media, cause now we got streaming video, streaming audio. I mean, there is so many other, um, means of marketing. And I know we just touched upon like social media and some, you know, light digital tactics because, you know, for smaller businesses and organizations and even government entities, they can't afford, you know, a big ad buy. So yes, social media is more, um, you know, attainable to do their marketing. So. Fabulous. Thank you for that. The good selection of bullet points. Before we end, I have one question and this is something we've just talked about Keith but, uh, for our guests is a random question. So, Michelle, what app, gadget, or tool can you not live without? Hmm. On the spot for that one. Well, I'm going to say I cannot live without Google Docs right now. I love Google Docs. So that's one app I can't live without right now because, I mean, it's changed the way you work. You know, you can work on your phone. You can work anywhere. Um, I know that's kind of a geeky answer. It's not because like Keith said, I've kind of, you know, pivoted myself. I'm not heavily on social media like I used to be, but I'm more entrenched with my work and what I got to do. I'll go with you and say, you know what? My most used app or, or my the app I can't live without right now is not going to be like something that is going to shock everyone and they'll have to run right out and get it, right? It's for me. It's probably it's yeah. It's probably it's actually for me. It's probably Google Docs as well. I know um, we're I'm, geeks right now, right? I'm really into Evernote right now. Yeah, Evernote. I'm loving it. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, I hate the restrictions that you have on the free version where you can only have on a certain amount of machines. But when it comes to organizing and, and sharing, because we use Evernote to keep um, the show notes and what we're doing, Keith. And to be honest, it makes it so much easier, doesn't it? It does. You know, and so I think any of the productivity tools like that, you know, that's actually a, something for a whole nother episode as well. But most people oh, okay, should use solitaire and put more productivity in there. Yeah, Definitely. Well, thank you guys for having me. You're welcome. Yeah, it's been brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Bullet List Show. You can find more episodes on our blog at bullet-list.com or on your favorite podcast platform. The blog has an RSS feed so you can keep up with the latest news. There's also a podcast RSS feed if that's what you prefer. Both feed girls can be found on the blog. Finally, we have a Facebook group where we welcome your feedback, ideas for topics and suggestions for guests. Please come and join us. We're looking forward to seeing you there.